Hello and welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And today we've seen The Beekeeper in the uh, IMAX screen at Cineworld on Broad Street. Uh, it's written by Kurt Wimmer, directed by David Ayer, and it stars Jason Statham. People on Twitter have been saying, like, this is a movie that you would see as, like, a fake movie in another movie. You know, like a parody. Jason Statham <laughs> is the beekeeper. But, and, and, uh. and the arcade, I went in with extremely low expectations. Um, I ended up having an extremely good time. That doesn't make it a good film. How about you? I didn't have a good time. No? No. Uh, I wasn't bored. But I thought it was like a Trumpian film. It yeah. was kind of crude and, and nasty, really. I was surprised to see that this David Ayers had directed films that I really like, you know, like Fury, because I thought it was kind of incompetent, really. Um, yeah, he has, a, he has a reasonable track record, although I don't know... I mean, I, I, I think the only one that I've seen that he's directed has been Suicide Squad, which I don't like. Well, I, I like Suicide Squad, and I really do love Fury. Mm. Yeah, the Brad Pitt film. Uh, so, so I, you know, the, I was surprised. Um, I mean, I didn't recognize the name of the director when I saw it, mm. and I just thought he was probably like some schlock first-time director who was a friend of Statham's. <laughs> That's what right. I thought. Right? I mean, that was the level of the filmmaking. So, no, so with a reasonable track record, probably yeah. of the film he wrote, Training Day. Yes, um, which is obviously which a terrific. I love. Film. Yeah, um, and probably the film he's directed for which he's best regarded would be End of Watch. I yes, think that's I like the film of his that's got the best exactly. reputation. I like End of Watch very much. Uh, I like Fury very much. I like Suicide Squad. Uh, so I don't know what happened on this one, but it's abysmal. I think it's, it's abysmal. It's a, one of the stupider films I've ever seen. It really reminded me of like 2009, sort of that era of filmmaking. That, in fact, it reminded me of movie posters from like 2009 because that was an era where everything was orange and teal it was like every film poster had orange and teal and it was that everything was graded in that way and then the movies were as well you think about like transformers movies from that era that kind of thing faces were very orange the sky was incredibly blue and it was kind of the the, the color grade was always extreme mm. um and this had that i mean i haven't seen that in a long time because it became a, a bit of a, a a trope you know mm. people started to criticize it um and this had that you know i was thinking that this is one of the more one of the more aggressive colour grades I've seen recently. Jason Statham's face is so orange. And I think, I mean, I, I kind of felt like it's it's half deliberate because I think it's doing a thing with, like, honey, like honey baking the Maybe. image. But, like, it's it was too much. The foley was incredibly aggressive. And in mm. the IMAX, you know, the sound is, is so high. But, again, but I, I started to like this after a little while. You know, I thought, uh, when it comes to action, Jason Statham just kicking the shit out of people, it's very close up. Mm. It's, you know, a little bit incoherent. Mm. It's not doing the most it can with, you know, it's not the best directed action you'll ever it's see. It's not elegant and it's not thrilling. No, either. it's very Hollywood uh, action, but it's also incredibly crunchy, huge, loud sounds, you know, big punches, big gunshots. I, I really enjoyed that. I didn't like it at all. I thought it was kind of uh, crude and cheated. I mean, you know, the best action, the best action films... I mean, it's a thrill to watch the moves, really. And, you know, it has a logic and, you know, you're kind of thrilled at 
bodies doing these things. Mm. You know, I'm thinking, like, even the John Wick films, I love the action sequences. I wouldn't say you know? even the John Wick films, especially the especially John Wick. They're the, John the best. Wick. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I mean, I'm a big fan of Jason Statham because actually I like the action sequences in a lot of his films. Mm. Yeah. And I think the Transporter films are great at one level. Uh, what's what's the crack films? It's called something like crack. Oh, crank, crank. I love them. I love them. You know, and that's a kind of another extreme. Mm-hmm. You know, and he is someone who's kind of so extraordinary because he features in all these different action franchises, right? Uh, and I love him in the early Guy Ritchie films. But uh, it's very interesting that I think in this film, I mean, I still love his attitudes, right? And you know, kind of his demeanor and the way that. Uh, he speaks, really. Um, but it's very telling. It's the first film of his that I can remember where he hasn't shown his body at all. Right? No, that's there's, a good point. There's He's not always a bicep to be seen. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. It uh, did make me think, actually. It's funny you should mention that because the style of so much of the film and so much of the action reminded me of the last uh, Rambo mm. that we saw where you know Stallone was really, really, really old by this point. Mm. And, but because he was so old, they were having to... Um, limit the action that he was doing. He could no longer move the way he once did. And so it's all about ambushing and, and quick things and things you can do in a very short shot and that sort mm. of thing, which was quite effective. I mean, we had severe problems with that, but that kind of worked. And here, it, that, it has some similar connotation, although, you know, Jason Statham is not that old and he can still move uh, much more fluidly than yeah, Stallone could that young. But it is, he is, he's not showing off in the way that he once would. I mean, part of the pleasure of watching a Jason Statham film is to watch Jason Statham, right? And until now, that has included his body on its own, actually, uh, but also his body in action yeah? mm. and, and uh, in motion, kind of doing actions. Uh, and you see very little of that here, actually. Mm. Yeah, so his character does all these incredible actions, but they're a blur, really, kind of. Yes. You know, <coughs> uh, so, so, so I think one of the major pleasures for me of watching a Jason Statham film was really not there in this film. Uh, and the other elements, my God, like, you know, how abysmal the whole thing was. Okay, so let's talk about the plot, just so we can tell the audience, you know, because I'm sure many people are not very interested in seeing this film. They're just going, <laughs> yeah, it's just some Jason Statham film, a beekeeper, what the fuck's that about? Mm. And, you know, that's kind of the right attitude to go into the film, with, to be honest. You start off with Jason Statham is a beekeeper. He's looking after bees. He's uh, removing hornets uh, from uh, this old lady's barn. The old lady's played by Felicia, Felicia Rashad. Felicia Rashad, yeah. Who was Mrs. Cosby in the Cosby Show? Indeed, yeah. and she was a Creed's mum yeah, in the in the new exactly. Creed, the, the yes. young Creed, or, or rather adoptive mum, I think. Just about you know, the nicest star persona you could screw over for money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the film begins with her being uh, scammed. Uh, it's a phishing scam, and these things are real. Although, if it were more realistic, it would you know the call center that was taking all her money would be in India. Mm. <laughs> That's where this all kind of comes from in real life. But this is a kind of a very expensive looking um, call centre in the US. Uh, I mean, it's played like that scene in Wolf of Wall Street. It is. You know, where, where he's he's teaching them how to steal money from, from the people buying penny stocks. It's played like that. And so uh, this guy gains uh, this lady's confidence, steals all her money, including, it's pointed out rather inelegantly, as so much of the film is, a $2 million a charity fund that she looks after, mm. you know, and she was looking after this for charity. It's like it's not bad enough for children. Yeah, not bad <laughs> enough that that she's just you know a little old lady who doesn't know how to use computers. But she was looking after a charity. No. Um, 
because of this, she commits suicide. She's lost everything. She realizes what's happened far too late. She commits suicide. Um, her daughter is an FBI agent, uh, and it, simply by chance, and she comes across Jason Statham in the building with a knife. You know, mm. think because he thinks there's an intruder there or something. So, you know, she, she immediately is suspicious of him. Turns out that he didn't do it. But what later transpires is that he is not just a beekeeper, but a beekeeper, with a capital B, which is a very secret, clandestine government organisation that goes above even the president, above everybody else, because they're about looking after the hive. Mm. When something goes wrong in America, these are the people who are empowered to do anything they want, act on their own terms, they don't report to anybody, they're given everything they want. They So you just have this, you have this group of people, individuals, who are these caretakers for the entire country. And that, mm. and he's, although he's retired, he's going off to save the day. And he has this incredibly inelegant thing where he talks almost to the camera. Like he's looking not quite down the barrel, just past mm. it, but it's talking to the audience almost, where he talks about, you shouldn't steal from little old ladies, it's wrong. And it's so ridiculous. Yes. Um, that's where I started to get into the sense of like, wow, this one really isn't that good. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the worst thing we've seen. And actually, I thought it was so ironic. Here's the worst film that we've seen. And we've seen it like, you know, in IMAX with like, you know, great projection and great luminosity and all the things that we've, you know, decried of not being able to see in much, much, much better films of the same cinema. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so basically it becomes like a rampage and he goes off to you know he follows the money he goes up the chain he ends up with the fbi kind of chasing him although they have met they immediately split up and then the fbi realizes oh god this guy's incredibly dangerous and they start uncovering what this beekeeper program is all about so it's jason statham on a moral rampage to kill the right people um and like i say i got into this you know because i thought i was right i was in the right mood for this it's incredibly dumb um i think it i think it understands how silly it is at points. I mean, when you, well, have, when you have that replacement beekeeper show up to try and take him out and she's dressed like the 80s and has a minigun and then I, she gets knocked out by a jar of honey, it's daft. It is, but I also... But there's a kind of a daftness or an exaggeratedness which is really also very intelligent, like in the Crank films, I think. Uh, or, you know, it's doing something else. Or there is, I think, a kind of... Um, a, a condescension to its audience. I, I do think that this film is treating its audience as if it's dumb, right? Mm. I think, you know, all the politics, all the motivation, you know, the basis of the scam, the morality of it, you know, the black and whiteness of it, it's just, you know, it basically thinks that you're an idiot and it's going to make something, you know, that only an idiot can like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I it has very low expectations of its audience, particularly when it comes to you know, and this will be spoiler stuff. Um, the the main uh, villain in this is Josh Hutchison, um, who it turns out who is, is fantastic. I think I love him. Yeah, um, and it turns out because uh, you don't know this at the start that he is not just you know the leader of this uh, sort of financial this fraudulent criminal enterprise. Um, but he's the president's son. Mm. Um, the president's played by Gemma Redgrave. And, you know, I don't have any problem with with getting to argue, yeah, it's great. I like the idea of it going to, all the way to the very top and yeah. he's going to have to take it out. But what I think is then uh, low expectation having, as it were, of the audience, is that it's just this guy who is the bad guy and the, and the president. 
had all the best intentions. Mm. I just want to make things better. You're thinking like, why not just have this? I mean, in the age, I think every every generation, I suppose, has its um, has its version of the realization that the president or the office of the president can be corrupt. You know, so mm. the big the big one was Nixon. But since then, everyone, you know, you can look at Clinton, Bush, and of course Trump, and everyone has had their kind of their realization that oh god, this is just the, this is as bad as it can get, and this is as corrupt as it can get. And why is it that in this film we are really expected to think that this president had all the best intentions and got there on the best intentions, although with the unknowing criminal help of her son, whose frauds pay for all this? It's so stupid. It's really daft. If she was knowing, and that was part of it, I would buy that so much more. Mm. I also kind of didn't like. The way so, you know, the film is meant to be glamorous. Um, it's bringing up all these old stars, you know, for the audience's pleasure, uh, and it's meant to be slick. And I think it, it does not none of those things. Of all the stars that it brings up, Minnie Driver, Jeremy Irons, uh, you know, kind of the only one that I took any pleasure in their performance was really um, Hutchin- Hutchison, Josh Hutchin- Josh, Josh Hutchison, Hutchison. Uh, I mean, can well, we I define thought... then what we mean by old star? Because he's younger than me. <laughs> well, you know... Uh, 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 Has been a star for ha- a while. Well, well, you know, he was a star in the Hunger Games and kind of he's brought in uh, in a supporting role, mm. uh, you know, to bring something to the film. Yeah? And, I mean, he's a young actor, but, you know, I, I group him with Minnie Driver, you know, who was briefly a star in the 90s, and Jeremy Irons you know, who had a longer career and was Oscar nominated and so on. Uh, and, and indeed, Felicia Rashad, mm-hmm. yeah, who was a big name. You associate, you know, people who you associate things with mm-hmm. is what I mean, right? Yeah. Um, so, and he's the only one that kind of surprises and delights. It's kind of like a wicked, kind of charming, mm. you know, effervescent performance. Minnie Driver is like, you know, she's okay, but really she's dead wood. And Jeremy Irons is kind of... I mean, he doesn't do anything bad, but he he doesn't really bring much to the to the role, which I think he is expected to, because you know, of it's not much of a role, but it's the best one of you mm. know, kind of these, right? I mean, he is someone who's head of the CIA, who's now betraying it because he loves this woman. I mean, he's actually given something to play, mm. you know, and he's meant to be wise and cowardly, and yeah, keep, yeah. And he should play off Josh Josh yeah. Hutchison better than he does. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't get a single laugh really. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think uh, uh, none of the actors are used very uh, well or wisely. Uh, but, you know, Hutchison at least brings something to it. Yeah, he kind of mm. uh, uh, pops in a way that the others don't. So, you know, for me, it's really like a complete dud of a film, really. Yeah, I mean, I can't defend it on any basis other than I had a really good time. I think well, I, that's was, important, I, was, I was in the right mood for it, like I say. Yeah. And... Um, I could have gone in with the very lowest expectations and sort of and, and had a very bad time and gone. Mm. This is this is real trash, isn't it? It's real tripe. But something about it did start to click for me, and I think it is that that certain daftness. And when you come to the things that, uh, as you're saying, you know, where the film is is expecting so little of its audience that it's insulting. Mm. Um, I thought that. That's why it put me in a bad mood. Actually. Yeah. Well, I I kind of had the. Uh, I had the instinct to laugh at that stuff and go, wow, this is so stupid and enjoy that mm. on, its, you know, on its kind of lack of merit, if you like. But I can also understand that you would just watch this and go, no, this is just terrible and I hate the fact that it thinks so little of me. So uh, part of that is how you personally take it on the day, you know? I guess. I mean, you know, kind of, 
you know, just because one likes something doesn't make it good. No, absolutely. You know, um, but I did think that, you know, in the transported films, there was something so sleek and elegant and smart about, you know, well, the concept and then kind of, you know, the look and move of the films. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then I also thought in a larger sense that, you know, one of the reasons why I, I'm, you know, because I'm very fascinated by Statham, really, mm. you know, kind of the films with Guy Ritchie, the development of his star persona, the fact that, you know, he really represents this East London working class guy, you know, then kind of uh, uh, slightly scammy or, you know, but kind of very likable. Um, who then becomes the major action star in the world, right? Like, I think um, the ex the Expendables. It's so interesting because in those films, he's really set up as the logical inheritor to the mantle of Stallone and Schwarzenegger, right? Hmm. So there's like Stallone and Schwarzenegger, you know, and uh, Van Damme and whatever, and then you have like Statham as the new. So to to represent that and to have achieved that, and then, you know, to give us this, I thought. Yeah, but I mean, the thing you also got to remember is, is those actors, those stars you mentioned had strings of films like this that were equally, you know, well, I mean, especially Stallone, which we've talked about before. Yeah. How he basically only, his whole career has relied on Rambo and Rocky, and even then, only a few of those. Well, that's, that's true. Um... I don't think that's the case with Schwarzenegger, actually. You know, one, no, well, Schwarzenegger was better. I mean, even the B films are really good B films, the Predators and, yeah. you know, uh, so on. So And, you know, Statham has a lot of bad films. And I didn't expect anything good. Like, hmm. you know, I would have been quite happy to have felt the way that you felt. Yeah, that it wasn't great. But, you know, kind of, uh, if Statham was in good form, then I would have been quite happy, really. But this was, like, excessively dumb. <laughs> right like you know uh and not not that it relished dumbness in an intelligent way the way that some of his other films do this was this was really patronizing and condescending and i really d disliked it you know yeah no i do think it's going a little too far to to describe it as patronizing and condescending but i, I well no i i think I think it is right because I think it is genuinely expecting its audience to buy into some of the dumber things mm. um, that we're talking about. And it's about. feeding into them. Yeah. I mean, some of the ideas in the film are very Trumpian. You could see, you know, how a MAGA audience would love this, you know. Except for the race aspect. <laughs> <laughs> um, you mean in terms of the kind There's of... There's right and wrong, you know. Uh, you and, mean... and on the other hand, you're, you're boiling people alive. Right, or setting them on fire. Well, yeah, I mean, or... essentially the film is kind of showing you a a, a government-sponsored, legitimized vigilante justice. Yes. That's what it is, you know. So, like, it's, it's vigilante justice, but explicitly within the law in the confines of this film, which is kind of weird. Um, and I agree, it kind of... It, it It is kind of marrying those two things of, like... Yeah, I mean, the MAGA crowd hates the government, hates mm. big government. The government should get out of this, that, and the other. But here it's like, no, the government is... is doing the right thing because the government has explicitly provided for vigilantes. Wow. Um, it's, I mean, yeah. I, I do think it fits into a Trumpian thing very easily because, oh, you know, isn't it terrible? You're stealing from poor widows, right? Set them on fire, kill 25 of them, you know, burn the building down, 
right? But the president is innocent. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean really, actually, the, the Josh Hutchinson character, I immediately was starting to think of, um, I immediately thought of Hunter Biden, you know, because the whole thing about that is like, Joe Biden is, you know, nice and whatever, innocent and all this, but his son is the problem. His son is the evildoer who, who the MAGA crowd mm. are constantly going after, you know? And he kind of made me think of that, but like, I kind of thought... I mean, I don't know the truth of anything happening in the Hunter Biden, the various Hunter Biden cases, but it is very stupid to try and have us believe, you know, like I say, a story in which the son is up to all this and the president is as open-hearted and innocent as, as she's shown to be here. Very stupid. And it is, um, you know, kind of insulting that we're expected to believe that. But the thing is, I also, because you can so obviously see these cogs turning in, in how it's setting up these characters and having, you know, placing one as a villain and one as, as not and all this. That's, I, you know, that's where I found enjoyment in that, seeing the cogs turning so obviously. You see the machinery at work here. I didn't find any enjoyment in that. And also, I kind of felt really cheated because, you know, in some of the great suspense or action films, you want to you want to get the feeling that ooh getting from a to b is impossible yeah and then you watch them do it right like the, then they the, you you find the logic in the actions that get them from a to b mm. right and kind of that's what you're shown and in this you think oh my god this is impossible you know and then it's just made possible but without any logic or without you thinking of how it could possibly be yeah possible the only exception to that is you know when he's when he goes with the skateboard under the cars, right? And you say, "Oh, that's how he's doing it." Yeah, he's got a skateboard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, although of course that's also quickly done because you get this thing of that they're checking under all the cars and like, how is he going to get into this party where the president is, uh, yeah. so he can get to. Her. There's and, no suspense. Uh, well, no, the thing, the thing, the the element of cheating there is, you know, he he's hiding under the lorry. The guy comes in on the on the the board to check under the lorry. He takes him, knocks him out, or kills him, whichever he does, and takes his place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the element of taking, like, you get that that's what he's doing, and it's kind of nice and smart and cool. But the the moment of him taking his place and exactly how he does that is just it's skipped over, right? Mm. Like details like that are skipped over. I don't mind it, but it is there. Like also, there are at least two occasions early on, maybe three, in which people are they're trying to track people down. So we're trying to track down the beekeeper guy because mm. no one knows who he is. We're trying to track down. Um, the the company that's doing all this because they route all their calls and how are we going to track them down and what happens is you have characters say we have no idea how to do this let me give someone a call and then you cut and the next scene is they found it I don't mind that I don't mind that like it's just it I, I don't need to go through all the detail of oh we did this we did that just come back you found them let's get on with it I didn't mind it well um, I I didn't mind that and that's not really what I was talking about I mean I was talking more about the logic of an action mm. yeah that kind of you know, that you want to see how someone with great skill and great physical prowess will get from A to B, you know, in a, in a, that it seems impossible, but then they show you how they do it. Mm. Yeah, that it has a logic. Whereas this is just cut, 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 pop, 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 pop. 
and then boom. With lots there. of sound effects. I, <laughs> I was in the mood for it. It worked for me, you know. It had a little... I was into it, man. Yeah. You know, like I say, it's it's far from the best action you'll ever see, but it, it was functional to a degree and it served a purpose and I liked the... It, it's, very, it's like, it's the most easily criticisable action in the way it's directed because it is all about the sound effects. Really is all about mm. the sound effects and it's all about... Um, the the rapidity of the editing and the close-ups and and the, you know we always talk about kind of clarity of action and that sort of thing and you, there is none of that here um, but there was an intensity to it that I really enjoyed. Okay, well I didn't. Yeah, I think if it was showing on TV, I would have I would have switched off really. Oh God, uh, yeah. So oh <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I thought of that. Myself. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's um, there's nothing compelling about this. I thought it was kind of dumb. And this is really minor, but the, uh, when the FBI uh, agent, that was her name, um, Emmy Raver Lampman, uh, she plays the FBI agent whose mother is killed, and she she's talking to Statham at the start, and she says, "I detect a bit of British in your accent," and I'm going like, "Why are we pointing this out at this point?" Like, it kind of thought, you know, like do you remember when, when we saw Predator? We watched it on the podcast. Um, at the start of that, there's a thing about explaining why Arnold Schwarzenegger has the accent he does, basically. Yeah. He talks about coming from Austria. But after a while, you don't need to because he's Schwarzenegger. Right. Like, why is it at this point we still need to have someone say, Jason Statham, are you British? I know. Like, he's just Jason Statham. And also, because in this, I mean, I can't tell if he's even putting on a half-American accent. I think I can't felt like tell. It, it felt like it at points, but, but maybe not. Maybe he's also just been in LA for so long, he's picked mm. up a bit of the lilt. But, um, but you've also got Jeremy Irons, mm who is as English as you like in his accent, and he's supposed to have been head of the CIA. No one has a question about that. Like, why? We don't need to question. Or Mini Driver. Actually, you know, I had this whole thing in the car talking, uh, uh, I forget what word I was thinking about, a kind of, where, anyway, I was was going to say that there's a kind of uh, uh, a lack of generosity because, you know, when you have, like, American films, they often include tons and tons of British actors, right? Mm. Yeah. And then when you have, like, British films, they almost never include, you know, uh, uh, American actors. Um, and now, I'm not sure whether this is an American film or a, Brit- you know, or a British film, but it's kind of interesting that in a Jason Statham film, it's like 90% of the cast is British, mm. yeah? Uh, and they're all playing CIA agents, yeah. right? or you know, presidents. Right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I can tell you that the film is definitely considered an American film. I mean, even though everyone in it is British, yeah, and even though you can tell where parts of it, if not all of it, has been shot in the mm. UK, as I was saying, they're supposed to be in Boston, and they show you two photos on screen, and I'm going, that is a street in London. Mm. I can't tell you which one, but I recognise the double yellow lines, I see the road signs, this is British, and then when you get there, I'm pretty sure you can see a Tesco in the back. Well, maybe they wanted to um, normalise Statham's accent by putting him, by surrounding <laughs> him with many drivers and Jeremy Irons and Scottish villains, you know. Well, there's no Scottish villain. Yeah, the guy with the blonde hair and the... He's South African, I think. Oh, he's South African. Oh, he's supposed to be. I mean, okay. I don't know if he is South African or if he's just putting on an incredibly uh, over-the-top accent. Okay. But it's certainly supposed to be a South African thug. Okay, I thought, um, I thought it sounded Scottish. But... <laughs> <laughs> but My the, ear's not very good. But anyway, <laughs> the point is that even though like the film is, is covered in in things British things that you will recognise, it's, it's British in the same way that Star Wars is British. It's filmed here, it's got British people in it, it's got British people working on it, it's an American film. I know, but 
you know, Star Wars had uh, Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher and what's the other one? Mark Hamill? Uh, yeah, you know, so it's Alec Guinness, you know, and, and Alec Guinness's casting is understandable because, you know, he's meant to be Obi-Wan Kenobi. Mm. Uh, but this is Jason Statham and Jeremy Irons and Minnie Driver and really kind of the only other person is uh, Hutchin, Hutchison. Hutchison. You know, so it just kind of is, it doesn't feel the same way to me. It just seems dissonant. All right. We don't recommend that you watch this. Film. No, I, I, I absolutely recommend it. It's fucking <laughs> I loved it. I had a really good time. It's really daft. You know, you could, if, you, if you've got a brain in your nut, then you'll look at all the really stupid things and be entertained by them too because you go, wow, this is stupid. It's really expecting me to buy blah, blah, blah. So fun movie, man. See it at the IMAX. Ugh. Uh, I didn't like it at all. Yeah, I know. But uh, here we go. You've got so. no taste. That's your problem. <laughs> we are eavesdropping at the movies and we are on. Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud and YouTube. On social media, we're on Facebook and Twitter at Eavesdrop Movies and Blue Sky, eavesdropping.bsky.social and the website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.